And you're listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And you just heard right there, Opus One with Backseat 38 Dodge from 1966 in Los Angeles, California, that was created. Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Matt Child from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's Swollen Members. Matt Child, today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. And to prepare you for Mad Child, thought I'd play some Mad Childian related music. Gonna begin with something by The Villains, a band that Mad Child probably saw growing up. We'll find out in the interview that I do with Mad Child of the Swollen Members. We're gonna hear The Villains, a ska band from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with Life of Crime. They're from Vancouver. If you want to see them in action, check out YouTube. Type in The Villains Vancouver Show, and you can see an amazing performance they do of the ska variety. They were from England, moved to Vancouver, set up shop, and then toured the country. Back and forth, back and forth. They became ska boom after that, and are still in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, doing it. At least members are the villains. So we're going to hear Life of Crime by the villains. Then we're going to hear something by Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada's very first rap crew, or at least the first rap crew to release a 12 inch, or at least one of the very first rap 12 inches to come out of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada is by a band called EQ. And this goes out actually to the incredible ease of EQ, who 
passed away a little while ago. So we're going to hear Put Your Body In It by EQ, pioneering Vancouver hip-hop from around 89, 1990. But we're going to begin here right now with The Villains from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with Life of Crime on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Down today, so I thought I'd go down the back street way, selling gear on a market stall, breaking my wares to one and all. Life of crime, life of crime, I really love this. Life of crime, life of crime, life of crime. I must be hooked on my life of crime. Shopping spree And a western with my skeleton key Watches diamonds, gold and jewels I fix myself what bloody fools Life of crime Life of crime I really love this Life of crime Then choose her house Climb up the train quite, quiet than a mouse In through the window and out through the door Then I down the street laughing once more Life of crime Life of crime I really love this Life of crime But I fix myself as my heart then beats What's that noise in a far off street? So I twelve feet through the midnight air As the boys from blue come from everywhere The hand fills my collar as the cuffs go on And you know what happens from there in us Life of crime Life of crime I really love this Life of crime Life of crime Life of crime So it's back to prison to do my Life of crime, time, 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 do my time, 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 life of crime.
in a microphone in the palm of my left hand. Jam to a beat, great program. Making noise all the music scene. I keep the party hyper just like caffeine up tempo. No time to chill when it's time to get ill. My rhymes are kill. The money spent, the message sent. It's an aphrodisiac, in fact, a stimulant. I say the rhymes, Quaze laid the track. We drop it on wax to make you jack your body to a beat that's infinite. Don't fight it, come on, get into it, move. These whip will spin it. Hey, get on the dance floor and I put your body in it. While I give you just a little MC tree With a rhyme so hype you never heard it before Something house, get your body on the floor I keep the party rocking with the rhymes I be kicking so dope, so dead And figure licking good Cause that's the main plan Words melting the mic but not in my hands I give it all I got, all I got's what I'm giving Designing their rhymes on time, that's how I'm living I see a microphone, I gotta pick it up Look at Quasar and say kick it up loud And do me one more favor Turn up the mic so I can kick flavor To the baseline, we selected and perfected You expected from the two of the crew None other than the brothers That they call EQ We're the two known as the equalizer Soup up your party like an energizer What I said to any situation applies Got no juice, then I'll energize Rock any beat it's automatic, I'm addicted to the mic You can say I'm an addict Or, my condition is what you can call it The incredible ease I'm like a heart One MC with a style of my own My rhymes make love to the microphone If you're not ready, you'll be knocked off balance As a performer, I possess many talents I save the rhyme, these whiffles spin it Hey, get on the dance floor and I put your body in it
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there EQ from 1990 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with Put Your Body In It. One of the very first rap crews from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada to put vinyl out. And before that, on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, we heard the villains from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with Life of Crime. Both records related to an interview with Mad Child, who I will be conducting and playing right now, coming up shortly, right after this track that is influenced as well by Mad Child's appearance on the Nerdward Human Serviette Radio Show. We're going to play, speaking of the show, The Show, Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Crew featuring Slick Rick. We're going to hear The Show. That's the first rap record that Mad Child, of the swollen members from North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, ever bought. We're going to hear that right now and then an interview with Mad Child on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Yes! Have you ever seen a show with fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right? They bite. They never write. That's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight, on the story mic, you're about to hear, we swear, the best star rappers of the year. So, so, cheerio, yell, scream, bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show.
Mad Child, I'm a solo rap artist and I'm also from the group Swollen Members. Mad Child, we finally meet. We finally meet. I'm happy to meet you. I've tried to interview you two times before, but it hasn't happened, but it's happening now. We're here now. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I want to ask you right off the bat, Mad Child, it all goes back to this, doesn't it? Dougie Fresh and... The Get Fresh crew. It absolutely does. This is the first vinyl that I ever bought at Odyssey Imports. 
For all we know, Terry McBride might have even sold me that record. Featuring Slick Rick. Featuring Slick Rick. Yes, correct. And I thought, to welcome you back to Vancouver after all this touring, I thought I would give you a gift, a Slick Rick t-shirt. The ruler. Wow, this is actually something I'll wear. This is incredible. Thank you. He's not allowed to come to America anymore, correct? Have you ever met Slick Rick? What's the closest you've got to Slick Rick? Uh, My vinyl that I bought when I was... Young. Never met him. Matt Child, you are the underground king. This is a wonderful, wonderful uh, shirt. Thank you. Well, only to pass for Matt Child, also from Swollen Members. Exactly. Matt Child, you are, quote, the underground king. The underground king. So I want to ask you about this. What the hell? What the hell is going on here? Please explain to the people. This is my first group with DJ Flipout, who is now... Probably Vancouver's biggest DJ. So congratulations to DJ Flipout. He's on the beat radio and a wonderful guy. And uh, we started a group together back in... I used to sleep on pizza boxes for six months in Redwood City and deliver pizza for a dollar an hour. At Romeo's Pizza. Exactly. With Rob, who is one of the owners of this club, Fortune, his uncle Eli took me in. And then he took me into his place and I got to sleep on the couch. And wonderful, wonderful family. And uh, then I walked... Then I went from Redwood City to San Francisco and uh, we, I started um, working on my solo career after that. But DJ Flipout was my first... Well, actually, my second group, because I don't know if you know this, but I was an original member of the Ragamuffin Rascals. When, when Red One and, and Misfit and everybody, before they were the Rascals, I was in the group for about a minute and a half. But then Flipout and I uh, started What the Hell. What the Hell? It's on t- I was also one of our dancers. Rob from Fortune Sound Club, where we are here right now. Exactly. But Tandem Records, what can you tell the people about Tandem Records? Heim was the funniest uh, character, the fellow that owned the uh, record company. And he was this short guy, probably even shorter than me. And he had this really funny accent. And he was a very shrewd businessman. And he'd have uh, pool parties at his house with all his artists. And everybody would come over. Um, Let's see, who was, C-Funk uh, was on the label at the time, who was a rapper doing quite well in the Bay Area, and another guy named Tab Doe, I believe, and uh, it was quite an interesting experience. We were just little little kids, so it was uh, our first vinyl, and we were proud of it. Young now, Girls, Young Girls, that's the name of the song. Uh, young Girls, what the hell, and it's got some push, didn't it? Didn't it up on some like DJ compilation tapes and stuff like that, LPs? I think it got a little bit of a push. I think the, the this particular song got around a bit. We were excited, for sure. So here we have What the Hell with Flip Out from 1993. Three. You don't even know your own history. No. Which would have been when Souls of Mischief came out with 93 to Infinity, which is today still one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. So we, were a little, we weren't quite as uh, dope as them at the time, but hopefully now I am a lyrical beast. Mad Child? What the hell? But then, Mad Child, please explain to the people. Uh-huh. Leica? Tech and pressure. So one year later, 1994, as I said, I went to San Francisco. I, st- I met up with Dave Paul, who owned Bomb Hip Hop Magazine, and he also opened up a store. 
I slept on the floor and worked in the bomb hip hop shop in the Castro district of San Francisco for six months. Unfortunately, there was no bathroom or toilet. So sometimes at four in the morning, I'd have to go off and try to find something that was open to go to the bathroom. Then from that, I went and met the fellas at the extra large store, which is a clothing store owned by the Beastie Boys at the time. Um, That was a very cool job. I also slept on the couch and then finally saved up enough money where I was able to rent a room on Lower Haight Street and uh, a lady who was dating Beck brought me in and she seduced me and I had sex with her. And how about this seven inch? Yeah, and this was done by Tommy Guerrero, uh, one of the world famous street skaters, one of the greatest street skaters of his time, um, probably of all time, Tommy Guerrero, Pal Peralta. He now owns real skateboards, Wonderful, wonderful guy. Took me under his wing. And uh, I did this record, and then I worked with DJ Cuber after that. Now, Massive Brings, is that your record label? No, I think that was just something... Oh, actually, the guy who funded it was... I forget his name, but he actually funded the record for me and Tommy Grow, And I think they made a whopping 500 copies. Very cool. Mad Child, quote, I never got to go to the... Prom. But you did get to go to dances put on by Irwin Us Indy in North Vancouver. Did I? <laughs> Do you remember some of those? No. You were like a mod, like your mad child. Wow. How do you know? Yeah, I was a little scooter boy. I had a 65 Vespa scooter. And you know what? Which is very cool. I actually had Lorenzo, who I know from way back then, rebuild me the same Vespa scooter that I had back then, and he made me a complete new version of it with all original parts, and I have it sitting in my apartment. It's beautiful. Because you're mad child now, but you were mod child. What did you look like back then? Fred Perry's? Yes, I wore Fred Perry's and desert boots and uh, cavern pants and sometimes cavern suits and uh, button-up shirts. And let's see what else. Uh, flight jackets. I also hung out with skinheads and mods back then, but the skinheads were not the way that you know them. They were part of the oi movement because uh, mods and skinheads originally came from England and the skinheads were factory workers. So they would wear Doc Martin boots and they would wear suspenders and still the Fred Perry shirts, but they'd shave their heads because they worked in the factory. So they were usually the bigger guys. So those were the type of guys I hung out with when I was a kid, just to make it very clear they were part of the oi movement movement nothing racist about them whatsoever well that's what i was curious about were you into local band the villains from vancouver i absolutely was yes on yes. skinhead records what do you remember about the villains they have some great tunes like this is ska well i was probably 12 years old or something like that but i loved ska music and and i loved you know the english beat and um the jam and all groups like that and this is very cool and th- these guys are from here right they were from England, but they moved to Vancouver, and they're really popular with the youth. They put a lot of teen dances. You might have seen them if you've gone to some of the teen dances, especially ones that Irwin put on. I would imagine that I did, absolutely. Those dances were a lot of fun. I was 12 years old, and uh, John Braithwaite and all those guys uh, would come and pick me up. They were in grade 12. I was in grade 8, but I was about this tall. And they would come pick me up on a Friday night. There'd be like seven carloads of people picking me up, and we'd go to these dances. And my parents just thought I was crazy. But they were cool, and they let, they let me do it for a while. But eventually, I was staying out too late, so they put the kibosh on that. That was in Braithwaite's Blue Montcalm, right? You'd go to the British properties as well, too, with John Berardino? Exactly. John Berardino, rest in peace. Absolutely. I remember uh, drinking Coronas with them, listening to Beastie Boys License to Ill, driving in that blue car, and the back window used to unroll, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I actually bought the car one day, uh, 
but I think it only lasted a few months and then Lorenzo got it. You like the new style though, the Beastie Boys new style. Is that the one you like to rap on? I, I love the Beastie Boys. I love the, just the concept of the Beastie Boys. Um, I think they're one of the greatest groups of all time. Rest in peace, MCA. Now, this is really interesting because you were in grade eight and the grade 12s were taking you out for a good time. Absolutely. Do you remember Halloween at all? There was a guy called Quinn. He dressed up as the jolly green giant and you dressed up as? As the little green sprout. <laughs> How do you know this? <laughs> this is crazy. Yes, that's Quinn. This guy was like my, bo- have you seen the movie The Bodyguard or whatever? This was my bodyguard. I was like this tall. I always had a small man's complex. I was like, no one's throwing me in any lockers. So I'd always gravitate towards people that I felt, you know, protected with. This guy was the biggest guy in school. He was huge, like big weightlifter guy. And he would, if whenever I had a problem in the smoke pit, I'd come in and tell him, I was 12 years old in grade eight. He'd put me on his shoulders and he'd walk out to the smoke pit in the forest and ask who had a problem. Of course, nobody did. He was a wonderful guy. I hope he's doing good. The jolly green giant and the little green sprout. Mad child. Mod child at that time. No child. Mod child. (laughs) Mod child. And I wanted to ask you, what do you remember about your after school soccer games that you played? (laughs) I think I was pretty, look how small I was compared to everybody else. That was a sweet do that I had. Now, what is going on there? This is after school at Sutherland. It wasn't exactly soccer, was it? No. Well, I think it, no, I'm not sure. What do you remember about this? There's Erwin Ustindi. There he is, yeah. That, he was always a really cool guy. And there, there's Marty. Marty, remember Marty? And there's John Braithwaite. And I can't remember the rest of their name, but I recognize them all. But could you describe this photo to the people if they look yeah, at it right there? Well, yeah, because these guys are all in grade 12, and I'm in grade 8, and I'm a little pipsqueak. So, I'm, yeah, we used to play, I think, soccer after school. Is that right? Yes, a crazy game of soccer. It might involve some drinking, too. Yeah, I would imagine we were all drinking because it would have been after school. There was a lot of drinking back then. A lot of smoking weed back then, too. My friend's uh, aunt, we found a garbage bag full of marijuana, I guess, that was uh, growing up in the wherever in BC. And we used to take lunch bags full of marijuana and we'd roll up joints and we'd sell them for a dollar at school. I thought you were just making keychains, but you're doing a lot more than that. Yes, I was also making knock-on-wood keychains. Yes, that's correct. So keychains and joints. Keychains and joints for Mod Child. Mod Child? Yes. I was looking through your annual from Sutherland. Yes. And in it I saw, quote, favorite music. Okay. It wasn't Mod Music. It wasn't? Lionel Richie. No. Yes, Lionel Richie can't slow down. That wasn't me. Yes, that was you. Need proof from grade eight. Your favorite movie, Ghostbusters. I'm gonna need proof on this stuff. Continuing on, favorite single, Prince. When doves fly. Well, that's a great song. Still is. Favorite VHS tape. I don't know, Quadrophenia. No, a Jane Fonda workout. No, that's no, 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 no. There's no possible way. No, no, no. You're looking at someone else's yearbook. That was not mine. I guarantee it. Mod Child, you had such an amazing mad child life. Yes, I did. Mod Child, Mad Child. Did you actually put together a script and perhaps propose it to Jason Priestley to make a movie out of it? Absolutely not. Have you thought about doing anything like that? Like, can you make a movie of your life? Because it's pretty amazing. 
Um, I think somebody has to approach you about that, don't they? But um, I have been approached with possibly if there's another round of success writing a book, and I think that'd be cool. Mad Child, I mentioned Mod Child. I love saying Mod Child, Mad Child. Have you ever been called Mod Child before? No, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I thought I'd give you a Mod-ish type gift. A person you enjoy, Mr. Super? Super Cat, yes. Dancehall, what can you tell people about Super Cat? Uh, this is the first artist, one of the first, this is the first dancehall artist that I, I, you know, completely just absolutely loved. I'd listened to his music, you know, for all summer long. Uh, this was probably back the time when I was hanging out with the Rascals, Saul guy and Red One and those guys, and they uh, introduced me to dancehall. Supercat's voice uh, to this day is, I thought, one of the coolest voices in dancehall. I, I, lo- I love that music. I think it's, I think most people that are in hip-hop now probably enjoy dancehall as well, but Supercat to me was one of the all-time greats, and I hope he's doing okay in life. Mad Child, was it Marcello that told you about hip-hop? Marcello? No, it wasn't. It was Franco, our other best friend. He moved from Detroit, and he ended up moving in the alley right behind where I lived on 7th Street. My dad built a house there. Uh, He moved from Windsor, Ontario, which was close to Detroit. So he came and he had all these uh, records. At the time, I had a bunch of David Bowie records and stuff like that, and the jam and things like that. And then he had... um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, he had Houdini, and he brought these records over, and we'd, we'd listen to them on my record player. Um, and we became best friends. We both skateboarded. We actually traveled across the country together at 16 on a Greyhound bus, and I ended up in jail for two months. Um, but it was a great trip up until that point. And, um, Why'd you end up in jail? We, we had this little scam going on Clifton Hill where we'd put $100 bills into the... Uh, into the pop, into the pops, and we'd come up and pretend to get pops, but there'd be hundred dollar bills. Eventually, we, eventually, the mom of the girl's house we were staying at heard her talking about it and called the police on us because we were staying there. We were fifteen. Mad child, what? Ho- you can't get charged for that now, can you? <laughs> oh no, I already, I already got in trouble for it. Mad child, what hotel did you meet Prevail at? Was it the International Plaza? Is that in North Van? Absolutely, yes. Well, no. Correction. When I worked at the extra large store, he was coming back from being in San Diego and he stopped in to meet me. So we met and we talked a bit. I gave him a Bush Babies bandana and some extra large t-shirts and some CDs. Then we met about a year later when I moved back to Vancouver. Maybe it was six months. I can't remember. And we met at this um, hotel party. There was like 100, 150 people there. We started freestyling back and forth and the whole room was dead quiet. Um... I remember somebody walking in and, and drunk, yelling, and everyone was like, shh. And we were just rapping back and forth, and we went for a walk after that, and we just said, let's start a group, and that was it. Same day. Was it the International Plaza Hotel? I don't know what it was called, but it was in North Van, and it was one of those, like, um, you know, where they have, like, the outdoor rooms for people, like, they connect to kind of, like, trailer home things. It was one of those. For battles and stuff, do you remember Prevail battling the 108 crew in a forest? No. What are some of the battles you remember Prevail doing? Well, I love Prevail, but the one I remember most is when he lost to DJ Flipout. And that was at, I think it was called the Red Room. 
well, it was called the Shaggy Horse at one point, but I think they called it something else. It was where Garrett and Rob, who now own Fortune, used to put on the coolest nights for the city as the hip-hop culture was growing in Vancouver. And I think we had a Thursday night called... Drunken uh, Monkey? Drunken Monkey. Well, I put on the Drunken Monkey shows with them. I think this was called El Famoso. El Famoso. And uh, there was a big battle between DJ Flipout and, and Prevail. And I remember he did his, hair, his dreadlocks up into like four bundles. And uh, I thought he was a shoe in but Flipout took that one. But Prevail is still to this day one of the best freestylers in the world. I think it's quite amazing when you battle Dirtbag Dan that you mentioned the North Shore. Yes. And the Fourth. You mentioned and the Fourth. Were you referring to the band the Fourth? Floor. No, I wasn't, but thank you. <laughs> I just rhymed with North Shore. <laughs> Well, do you remember the fourth floor? Shooter on the fourth floor. Because the fourth floor are from West Vancouver, BC, Canada. So I thought you might have been shouting them out in your freestyle. That's crazy. How are they doing now? They're doing okay. No longer involved with the fourth floor. But I guess I was curious. Do you remember the fourth floor at all? What else do you remember about the music time? You remember the villains? Yeah, I remember... Um Back then, well, I was also a little skateboarder in, in a skateboard gang called the Gremlins, and there was about 50 or 60 of us. We were, you know, 12 to 15 years old, dropping acid, causing havoc, and skating around, and there was a group of young girls that hung out with us. And we used to have crazy parties. They all lived um, in the West End, so I traveled from, I had always traveled from North Van. I traveled from North Van to find hip-hop downtown. I traveled from North Van to find other skaters and hardcore music. So when I was, I, I think I went... A lot of things happened from like 12 to 14 trying to kind of find myself. When I finally found hip-hop, that was it for the rest of my life. But I was definitely into hardcore for a while, so we would go and see, you know, Black Flag or Dayglo Abortions. I think they were from here. Uh, we'd go see Circle Jerks, Bad Brains, groups like that, DRI. Um, of course, DOA is from here. So I'm sure we saw a lot of like local hardcore acts, but I only sort of remember DOA and Dayglo Abortions. Madchild, what was it like working at Subway? It was awesome. That's where I uh, saved up enough money to start selling weed. Where else did you work? You worked at Safeway and the White Spot on Lonsdale? I never worked at Safeway, but I did work at White Spot on Lonsdale. Shouts out to my mom, who's worked there for 25, 30 years. And um, I was a terrible employee. I used to call in sick, and then my mom would come half a block down and find me at the arcade with rolls of quarters playing Gauntlet. I was not a good employee. I think I embarrassed her at White Spot, but it's all good now. But at Subway, were you good at doing the original cut? What do you think about the original cut? I was really good at, at, at uh, giving free tickets to all my friends for free subs. How many tickets were there that would need, you need to get a free sub? I think, I think one ticket was a free sub back then, I believe. And I would walk from my... Gra I lived with, at my grandma's apartment, and I'd walk to work every day. And um, it was a... It was a cool time. I was young and in good shape, had a good girlfriend, and saved up lots of money, and I bought an ounce of weed, and then the rest was history. Now, speaking of girlfriends and stuff, you mentioned Beck's girlfriend? Battle Axe Records. <laughs> you mentioned Beck's girlfriend, going back a bit. Yes. I don't know if it was girlfriend, but someone she mentioned that she was dating. Did you meet her at the XL store? No, I was looking for a place to live, and she was renting out a room, and that's how that happened. Madchild, I wanted to ask you about some old school Vancouver hip hop. EQ. What can you tell people about EQ? Well, this is, uh, this is them and Craig Crush, I believe, are the first hip hop artists that I remember. 
Um, I think that's right. And Mike Desire? Oh, Mike Desire. I was trying to think. Mike Desire. Mike Desire, Craig Crush, EQ. These are the forefathers. I don't like being called a legend, but these guys are the legends of Vancouver. These guys are the first real rappers in Vancouver, fully living the hip-hop culture. There were hip-hop events. You know, five, 600 kids would show up. They were rocking the shows. Um, DJ Kilo C was a part of this group, I believe, or he DJed for them. Yes, he did on this 1998 release because that right there is a 1990 release, the incredible Ease where he teamed up with Ease. And then and now uh, DJ Kilo C is still, I believe, doing the Crispy Biscuit. Is that correct? Yes, he is. Shouts out to DJ Kilo C, uh, the... F- you know, really the fore, forefather of, of hip-hop DJs in Vancouver. Absolutely respect. What was the first hip-hop gig that you saw, Mad Child? The first hip-hop gig that I saw, I think it was the uh, like these guys. You know what I mean? Going and seeing, seeing these guys perform. Oh, I think one of the, one of the first big shows I remember was, um, what was it? It was, oh, my, when we opened for Maestro Fresh West. That was a big deal. That's when our group, What the Hell, was still called Show and Tell. And we got to meet Maestro Fresh West and hang out with him. And uh, that was at the Paramount. So I think that was the first big show that I remember. What was Craig Crush like? He was a big, sort of very cool guy. Lots of gold. Kind of a ladies' man. Um he was a cool guy. Like, I had I, heard that he was already going back and forth to Toronto and performing. And he also went on tour, I believe, with, um, what's the guy's name? Not Tone Loke, but the other guy. Um, Rob, not, not Rob Bass. What's the? Young MC? Young MC, yeah, yeah. And they played at the, uh, they played one of these places that's like a 2,500-seater. It was a big concert. And he opened for them, along with Kish. Yes, I remember that. Canadian hip-hop. Kish, can't forget about Kish. Can't forget about Kish. Have you had any of his hip-hop legends come out to visit you when you've done gigs with solo members or solo stuff? Like, had Kish come out to your gig? Uh, well, Chaos has come in and visit us, of course. Um, I just ran into Red One lately, and we're getting along famously now. Um, he has Red Med, where they sell uh, clinical marijuana to people in Gastown. It's a great place. Go check it out. Um, let's see. Maestro Fresh West has, of course, come to visit us, visit us at shows. That's all I can think of. Madchild, I wanted to ask you about these old-school Vancouver hip-hop groups. What can you tell the people about RTA, Bird of Prey, and Mocha Only? Okay, well, Mocha Only was an official member of Swollen Members for two years, sort of around the time Bad Dreams came out when we put out Fuel Injected and Bring It Home and Stepping Through. Um, He moved on back as a solo artist after that, but great guy, family. Um, Bird of Prey is a guy that's been in the scene. I guess we were all sort of the second generation of hip-hop, wouldn't you say? Like our whole movement with... uh, prevail and everybody so he was very much a part of that there he is underneath there if you open up the record there there's some bird of prey oh, there he is there, there's there's the there's the fella and he has the coolest record like pull it open look at the center of the record look at his record center there okay i will oh wow east van very cool <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah bird of prey rocking it rocking it bird of prey how's he doing is he still making records I think he's still out there. It's hard to give it up, isn't it? It is. It's very addictive. It's, um, I think at this point, we've made it, you know, if you're still rapping, that's what you do. That's what you are. You know. And underneath the Bird of Prey, we have the Ragamuffin. 
The Ragamuffin Rascals on Calabash Records. On Calabash. What can you tell people about early Rascals? You said you were in the Ragamuffin Rascals, Calabash. What was the Calabash? Was that something to do with like the West End girls? No, it was a funny little, funny little fella. I think his name was Michael. And uh, he was, I don't know what um, nationality was, but he was a funny little fella. And he wanted to start this Calabash Records. And uh, he had a funny accent. And... But he did fund their first records and put them out, and I'm sure he helped them get on their way. And wow, there you go. Shouts out to DJ Chemo and Misfit and Red One. They were the first ones to really put Vancouver on the map, weren't they? And underneath it, what do we have? Some more rascals. This really put Vancouver on the map, didn't it? This put... Northern Touch. Yeah, this really put uh, Vancouver on the map. This was a huge song, uh, and it was played all the time on Much Music, which is Canada's version of MTV. It's like our big station. But we have Canadian MTV, too. And uh, this song was huge. Uh, with Cardinal Official, who I just played a show with, with Dilated Peoples this weekend in at Wakefest in Toronto. It was great seeing him. And Checkmate, who's also a very talented MC. Checkmate and Concise. Yeah, Checkmate and Concise. They're also Vancouver, uh, you know. Still in the game, still doing it. Oh, geez, absolutely. How close were you to getting on Northern Touch? Was Probably didn't even cross their mind. <laughs> I think there was this little bit of a... You know, a uh, friendly competition back then. Does that make sense? Yeah. We were the white boys. We weren't getting on our other touch. <laughs> Matt Child, want to ask you about Earl de Pearl. Do you remember Earl de Pearl from Vancouver? Yeah, he's also one of the... <clears throat> he would be the other sort of big DJ playing all the, the clubs. And, and uh, DJ Kilo C and Earl de Pearl would definitely be the two names that would have rang bells back in those days. Like Vancouver's Cool Herc. Absolutely. What about Maximus Clean? Do you remember Maximus Clean? How can anyone forget Maximus Clean? What was he though? Like a manager or just like a like a business guy? I can't remember. He had nice suits. He put out Props Magazine too. There you go. And he was always dressed nice and had a big cellular phone. And yeah, he was. How's he doing? <laughs> Is he good? Matt Child, want to ask you about this magazine right here? Elements. Yeah, there you go. And, That's. And if we open it up to this little annotation right here, who do we see inside at this Elements magazine right here? Who do we see? Matt Child of Soul Members of Drunken Monkey 2. There you go. <clears throat> and uh, that was, uh, I think, the second Drunken Monkey party that we put on where we brought out Mixmaster Mike and Zodak. Zodak was actually an original... He was a Rocksteady crew member as well as Mixmaster Mike and myself. We were all in Rocksteady. And Zodak's from San Diego, Mixmaster Mike, of course, from the Bay Area, and then became the Beastie Boys DJ. Um, <clears throat> that was a really fun party. <clears throat> Zodak was an original member of Swollen Members. I didn't know if you know that. But. No, I didn't. That's amazing. There you go. And let's see who's down here. Oh, that's Mateo. Is that Mateo? That is, uh, that's Mateo, and uh, this group was called Cypher. So this guy's from Boston. And this guy right here, Mateo, is where I recorded some of my first music because he had a crazy uh, home studio in his parents' basement. And he never liked to talk about it, but he was his dad uh, was actually Harry Belafonte. No! Which is how he got all the money to buy this studio. But he didn't ever really like talking about it. Sorry to put you on blast, buddy, but it was kind of an interesting, interesting story. And you brought him up to Vancouver for the Drunken Monkey? Yeah, and we brought up Dell as well. 
Dell, uh, uh, we bought Dell for that one, and Tony the Schizo. And Dell did more acid in one week than I've seen anybody do anything ever in my life. And I hope he's doing good now. Because he is awesome. He's an awesome MC. But he was nuts. It's great, though. Elements Magazine documented all this. I'm nuts, too, though. It's all good. Thank you, Elements Magazine, for bringing back the memories. Yeah, thank you, Elements Magazine. And I think uh, what, what, this would have been a Dedos cover. Yeah, see right there? If you look close, Dedos, that was sort of, uh, you know, at the time. Well, he started a crew with Virus, who's now doing very well for himself. And Dedos, from what I, Dedos, from what I understand, has a whole whack of kids, and he does stuff for Disney. So I think they're both doing well, and they were uh, very talented artists. Now, Elements was put out by CITR Radio. CITR Radio also did the DJ Sound Wars. Did you go to any of the DJ Sound Wars? Remember the DJ Sound Wars? Yes, I did go to one DJ Sound Wars, and Qbert was there. And that was the only one I ever went to, though. I checked it out. Was he performing? I think so. I think he was a special guest, yeah. Oh, I never knew that. It was an interesting place. Also, Chazzy B and Busy Jam. Do you remember them? Yes, Busy Jam. He was the, the Greek sensation. He's an awesome guy. I, I just saw a poster somewhere on Twitter that he's actually coming out with a record, so I wish him the best of luck. He was always very nice to me, very nice guy, and uh, I wish him the best. Yeah. And speaking of firsts and stuff, fuck what you heard. That's important. People should know about fuck what you heard, right? What was fuck what you heard? Fuck what you heard was the first hip-hop shop in Vancouver owned by Blaze and uh, Matt DJ Science, uh, who now works for the Hundreds, was kind of his right-hand guy, the DJ running the shop with him. And it really was Vancouver's hip-hop shop for like 10 years. They did a great job of um, bringing in whatever was you know, relevant at the time with, with our culture. And it was really helpful to have that kind of stuff to be able to go to a store and buy it. Because you have to remember, Vancouver's really, really grown in the last like seven, eight years. Like, I'm really, really proud to be from the city now. And I'm just getting, you know, I was a zombie for five years on Oxy, so I've been drug-free now for three years. So I moved back to Vancouver, and I'm just getting to know my own city again. And it's incredible. I, I, I'm so proud to be from here. But prior to that, we didn't necessarily get everything as fast as America did. So back then, it was a, a really nice thing to have. We need graffiti supplies there too, right? Yeah, graffiti supplies, records, uh, things you needed for your turntables, fat laces if you're into that, you know, uh, whatever. Anything hip-hop related. He had it. And they were in North Van for a while, too. North Van, represent. North Van, represent. They were on Lonsdale, and I used to go there every day because I lived three blocks away. And then they moved downtown on... Shoot, I don't remember. But I think they were on Beatty, weren't Beattie. they? Yeah, Beatty Street. That's correct. I remember once I got a Ron Jeremy 12-inch there. You can't lose. Uh, not that type of 12-inch, either. Ba-boom! <laughs> Ba-boom! <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mad Child, have you ever met Drake before? No, I have not. I interviewed Drake and Forty, and I asked them about the Swollen Members. Oh, how did that go? Can we please mention, if possible, the Swollen Members? Yes. Mocha only, still doing it. Featuring Swollen Members. So this was just like his solo. This was a solo single, I guess. Uh, swollen Members, yeah, man. I remember, I remember this logo very vividly, Battle Axe. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yes, well, I don't know. You can speak on Swollen Members. I don't know. I was definitely in high school. I remember this. I mean, <laughs> no, nah, it was good. It was amazing to watch these guys do. It was inspiring because they did it like on an independent level and making money and selling records like 
for us to be back in Toronto and being like, wow, these guys out on the West Coast, like, actually... And them being, from the the, them being from the West Coast was crazy, and that blonde guy was so angry. Yeah, he's a, Wasn't isn't his name Mad Child? Or, yeah, 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 he was so angry, which was always sort of uh, cutting edge. They said that they're really inspired because you guys did it on an indie level, and that inspired them. I'm really honored to hear that. I think Drake is incredible. And, you know, I keep saying to my underground fans, you probably don't realize this, but I'm an underground rapper, but I love Drake and I love Lil Wayne and I love French Montana. And and that's, I love driving around and listening to that type of music. I mean, I was at uh, LED last night for the first time and it's all, you know, trap music and stuff. And I really enjoy all that type of music, but I'll always be an underground MC, but Huge respect to Drake. Um, I think he's incredible. He also said you appeared mad all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm much happier now. Things are good. <laughs> mad child, did AC alone stay at your grandma's house? AC alone stayed at my grandmother's house. Dell stayed at my grandmother's house. Um, I think. Let's see. Mixmaster Mike stayed at my grandma's house. Saphir. Back when he put out Boxcar Sessions, stayed there. Dilated People stayed at my grandma's house. Um, this is like a National Historic Monument almost. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, a lot of hip-hop people. We were one block away from the police station, and I was selling more weed than anyone in North Vancouver, and I lived... You could literally throw a rock and hit the police station from there. I used to stash it all in a broken-down van in the underground parking lot. I was curious. Battle Axe, your record label. Yes, You had some interesting promo items. Yes, we did. (laughs) Very cool. This was uh, thanks to somebody at Network. We did a 50-50 deal with Network Records, and we went with them for management. And I'd like to shout them out because they made me millions of dollars, which I unfortunately lost later to a drug addiction. But thank you for the millions anyways. They were awesome people. Really looked out for us. I thought this was very creative because if you unfold it, it's actually like a, a flyer for the album Bad Dreams, which is probably our best-selling, Swollen Numbers best-selling album. And I thought that was really creative, and I liked it so much that I asked him to come up with something again for the next record. Actually, this folds up as well. See, it's a little thing. And they, they did the same thing with us on a motorcycle that folded up as well. Very cool. I was proud of that. And then eventually you went to the 604 Motorsports place and got a Hummer, right? I did, and then I got free rims for doing a... Radio ad. There were like 20 grand rims at the time. I think probably cost you 500 bucks now. But. And that Hummer is long gone? No, my friend Rocco still drives it. I just got a new, new truck, though. What'd you get? I got the uh, silver Mercedes G500, the G-Wagon, the, like the boxy. Mad Child, what's it like to be a landlord? Well, it was stressful. I'm no longer a landlord. I'm now a renter <laughs> because I used to own 11 properties, but due to my 20 Oxycontin, 20, 80 Oxycontin a day addiction, <clears throat> sort of $500 a day dope habit that I had, I eventually ran out of money and did not pay attention to my investments. But hey, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm happy. I'm doing very well again. And things are on the upward climb, but I don't think I'll be a landlord again. I'll definitely own property, but... I think I'll just stick with, with, with what I do best. And How hard is it being a landlord? Because tenants have a lot of rights, don't they? The tenants have a lot of rights. Did you have any troubles at all? I was really stoned back then. I just really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. So you were a good landlord for the tenants. They loved you. Yeah, for the tenants loved me. I'd show up like a week late to, to pick up the rent. 
And Madchild, did the bank take over your house? Absolutely, yeah. They took over probably about seven or six of them. Yeah. Did you lose some records? Records? Like CDs, records? Like when they take over a house, were you able to get anything out before they took it over? <clears throat> All my prized possessions that are really important to me in my life, I think I kept about 90% of them. Like cool art, like I collect like cause stuff and, you know... Uh, you know, I have cool paintings and art, and I'm, I'm a big fan of furniture. So, like, <clears throat> important important pieces to me, I got to keep everything. So, I'm pretty fortunate there. Matt Child, you opened the Rocksteady Anniversary Show in New York? Yes, that's correct. That's pretty amazing. What do you remember about that? Opening the Rocksteady. I mean, the Rocksteady crew. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was quite an honor. I believe I was the only Canadian Rocksteady crew member at the time. And um, I went on tour with crazy legs in japan and we had a great time together i'll keep that story private um easy rock was the west coast chapter leader and he was sort of the guy who i had become friends with first like i said zodak was also rock steady um i remember meeting ken swift i don't know if i met Doze. Yeah, I don't know the other people, but Crazy Legs and I, we, we got along famously. Even when I went out to New York and stuff, he'd bring me around to clubs and stuff. He was a great guy. I had a lot of fun. It was fun being a rock steady. Oh, yeah, and shouts out to Q Unique from the Arsonists and, and, and all the guys in the Arsonists. They're just a great group of people. What was it like? And shouts out to Tony Touch. Sorry. What was it like touring with Brother Ali? Do you remember touring with Brother Ali and his Swollen members? Yes, that was my single worst touring experience ever. <laughs> we actually, you know, and much respect to him now, we were just kids and I was probably high and drunk. But we actually almost got into a fist fight with them. And, and, and it was, that was the only time we had ever gone on tour and just did not connect. And it's crazy because I know he's good friends with Evidence, who, like I said, and, um, you know, we have a lot, you know, rock and stuff. So we have a lot of mutual friends, but we just, something had happened on the tour. What happened? Our tour manager said, our tour manager said something he shouldn't have said. And it was, it was racially, it wasn't, I don't think he meant it as racial, but it was racially inappropriate. And I could see how somebody would definitely get upset about it. And we were, basically going to fire our tour manager because we felt so bad when we had heard what he said. But because of the way young kids, being young kids, came up to us and approached us about it, we got our back up, and then it was like, boys will be boys type of thing. So it's unfortunate that there could have been a nice friendship from that, but because of somebody else's actions, um, you know, it just went in the wrong way. But... They're absolutely right to be offended by the way, by what he said, even though he probably was just stupid and didn't mean anything by it. Um, but like when we tried to talk, it's just like there was no sort of, you know, there was no no positive energy. So we, we did rough it out when we finished the tour together and uh, I hope the best for them. I hope they're doing great. Mad child, lastly, lastly, lastly here, Romeo's Pizza. Yeah, Romeo's Pizza. That's right. Where I slept on the pizza boxes. Yes, Mad Child. You slept on the pizza boxes at Romeo's Pizza in Redwood. What's it like sleeping on pizza boxes? Like, is one pizza box better than the other, like cheese versus pepperoni? 
Well, they were all unfolded. But I can tell you that the ice machine that constantly made ice all night long was probably more annoying than sleeping on the pizza boxes. Uh, the door in the back alley of where I slept didn't lock, so there'd be hookers giving <clears throat> Trick's head on heroin outside the alley all night. So it was, I don't think I could do that again, but you know, when you're young, you're ready to conquer the world. And um, I, my girlfriend at the time actually was allowed to come out and stay with me and slept on the pizza boxes with me. So, shouts out to Fiona. She's awesome. Mad Child, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, yeah, just thank you to uh, our fans. I feel we're very fortunate in, in this time to have the fans that we do have. Um, I just found out I have the number two record in Canada. And thanks. To, and I, you know, you don't have to go buy records, but we have loyal fans that go out and spend their hard-earned money and actually buy our albums. And uh, that means so much to us that we're and myself that I'm able to make a living doing what I love to do. So without you guys, I would just be making music in my room. Um, so you guys are everything to me. I thank you wholeheartedly. And uh, I appreciate doing this interview. Well, thanks much, Mad Child. Keep on rocking in the free world and do, 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 do. Interested, I 
Still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there the villains with ska music. And before that, an interview with Mad Child from the Swollen Members. To end the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show now, gonna play a bunch of stuff that has been given to me. Gonna play something right off the bat here by Veda Hilly. In fact, it's Veda Hilly presents. Peter Panties. And we are going to hear Yo-Ho by Peter Panties as performed by Joseph. Joseph with everybody. So we have the Peter Panties band, Veda Hilly, and a bunch of the bank dogs. Plus we have Joseph singing Yo-Ho with everybody all together. The Peter Panties release by Veda Hilly. We're going to hear Yoho. Thank you, Veda, for this amazing vinyl release, white vinyl release. After that, going to play something by The Lopez. In fact, The Lopez sent me a little note. Here it is. Hey, Nardwar, here is a copy of our 7-inch for you. 
Hope you like it. We are huge fans and we're super pumped when you asked Mac Miller about Grand Buffet. Grand Buffet is two of our good friends. We are going on a spring tour soon. Maybe we'll come your way this summer. Stay cool. Steph and Jesse from the Lopez. So we're going to hear the Lopez. It is nice sort of reddish pink vinyl in honor of Valentine's Day today. And we're going to hear Kingdom of Cat Piss by the Lopez featuring Steppenwolf, uh, Steppenwolf on vocals, synth and programming, and Jesse on guitar, programming and vocals. Thanks so much for the letter and for the 7-inch. And then we're going to end finally, finally, the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show with something that Beppy brought back for me from Atlanta, Georgia, a thrift shop in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's a record called A Salute to the Chiropractic Profession by Charles E. Jones. It's a double LP. I'm going to play just a little bit of it, and you'll see the excitement generated by Charles E. Jones. A salute to the chiropractic profession. He's got great intonation with his voice. He does a wonderful job of that. So, here we go with Peter Panties, yo-ho, then the Lopez with the Kingdom of Cat Piss, the Lopez from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then Charles E. Jones. We're going to play, I guess, a little snippet from his double LP, The Chiropractic Profession, on the Nardwar, the Human, Serviette, Radio, Cho. Here's Peter Panties.
Now listen, gang, just to say this, I believe it's possible to say something encouraging to everybody, and you're going to get accused of a lot of things, you know, when people say, how do you think you're a kid? Well, not you. But I tell you what I've been learning over the years. I've been learning the greatest characteristic that a man or woman can have in learning and being and growing is, and Jerry and I were talking one day about what we thought. We talked about faith and confidence. We talked about poise. We talked about unselfishness. You know what we came up with as the greatest characteristic anybody can have in relating to people and relating to themselves? A sense of humor! A sense of humor. Guy says, well, I wish I had more of a sense of humor. <laughs> what would you do with it? You're not using what you got now! You know what's wrong with the average person? The average person is fouled up because he's been chasing around, chasing around, looking for something he's always had. Now, how in the world are you ever going to enjoy what you ain't got if you're not enjoying what you already have? Like I said, I don't like the way you say you ain't got. Listen here, boy. I throw that in there because I heard a guy say one time, you hear that? He said, seen. You hear that? He said he's seen something. The guy said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'd rather hear a man say he's seen something. When he saw something, and hear him say he saw something and ain't seen nothing. <laughs> All right. Now, boy, you don't need to be learning to handle an audience. You don't need to be learning how to do it. You need to be learning how to relate to it the way it is, right where you are right now. And I want to tell you, partner, the best way you'll ever do it is learning to say something encouraging to everybody about everything all the time. And it's possible to be working and learning. Now, you know, I even go beyond that. You notice, I even, I even do, I even give them a little hug, some of the guys, see? I used to say, thank you for the smile you're wearing. Everybody I meet, any airport, I say, thank you for the smile you're wearing. I says, well, what if you're smiling? I thank him for the smile he's wearing anyway because I find he will immediately give me a smile because he wouldn't want to cheat me out of thanking him for something I didn't get. You tell him. <laughs> You know what I've been learning? It takes less than 15 seconds with anybody to get them to smile. And guess what? If you'll do that with most people, friend, you'll be about the greatest thing that ever happened in most people's lives because most people never have anybody in their lives that'll make them smile. And if you don't believe that, you start getting plugged in to learn what life is all about and you'll find out about it in a hurry. But I even go a step further than that, giving them a smile, you know, because some of them think I don't mean them, so now, you know, I give them a big hug, you know. You know, a lot of people question this my business of hugging people, you know. And, uh, and I know, I know some of you, how, how you, you know, this, you react. But uh, you know how I started this? I started at my church. I'd go into the church and other world. You know that saying, many are cold and few are frozen? <laughs> <laughs> I used to go in everywhere. I'd say, why don't you tell people you're an atheist and help us in reverse? <laughs> so... I, there was no use me giving a lecture because you know, that's the best way to turn a guy off is tell him how he ought to change. So what I did, I'd go into church Sunday morning and I'd grab him and I'd give him a big hug. I'd, Ooh, what's going on here? <laughs> but it knocked off some of that aloofness and I just uh, related to him and kind of, you know, just give him a semi-adjustment. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 but now, but the word got out, now seriously, you're always going to get criticized. You're always going to get criticized. So pretty soon, you know, people are talking about, and I, and I get back, this gets back to me, uh, you know, what's this Jones uh, hugging men bit? <laughs> so I immediately, I, I thought, well, I better cut this out. I better not do it. But I couldn't cut it out. You know why? Because the men had gotten used to their hugs. Now listen. 
cussing. The word is out. Listen, and my wife will tell you she gets mad every Sunday when I'm home. My wife gets mad at me because it takes me an extra half hour. There they are, one by one, lined up to get the hug. <laughs> the word, the word is out that the men get more loving from me on Sunday morning at church than they get at a home all week from the wife. <laughs> So, um, some of you wives, take note. Uh, okay. One, you better be learning. Working! You know that I know today I'm not much of an encourager. You know how I know I'm not much of an encourager? Because one day I decided to start working at being one. You know the guy who thinks he's pretty good at something? He's a guy who's never made a decision to start working on being it. That's why the average person will say, well, I'm pretty good at that. Or the guy says, I kind of like the way I am. God bless your miserable pinhead. <laughs> now listen, boy. I'm telling you something that I know you know. And that is the day you make up your mind and make a decision to start working at learning something, when you're, you're the best, you're going to...